Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, a podcast with grander plans than they had, or they had bigger eyes than our stomach was when it came to recording podcasts. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And as the bus passes by, you can, uh, we, we, uh, we, had, we had grand designs to do two short podcasts, um, one last week and one this week, and they fell by the wayside as life happened. Um, so you got a week off. We, we took our week <laughs> off early. Um, and the Bills took their week off at their regularly scheduled time to take a week off. Uh, and the we're here defense now. also took part of the week off uh, the week before they were scheduled to be off. Yes, we'll talk about that, whether that's a fair assessment or not. But I, I, I think that it's certainly up for discussion. Um, the Buffalo Bills lose to the Tennessee Titans 34 to 31 in what I think all three of us separately agreed was actually a really entertaining football game. Result aside, um, I think it was hard to fault the game for drama and excitement. And um, I, I certainly came away from the game feeling like, certainly feeling like Buffalo could have won that game and they didn't. But I was, I was, ha- you guys, I always make you guys start. So I am going to start. I did not come away from that game feeling like they were outclassed by Tennessee or anything like that. I came away with them thing like, you know, I was disappointed they lost. I think they should have won. I think there are things you can point to that, you know, sh- should have gone differently, um, both at the beginning and at the end of the game uh, and in the middle of the game. And I think that, you know, on the road Monday night, that could be a different game if they end up playing Tennessee and Buffalo. But I do think that Tennessee presents a unique challenge for the Buffalo Bills. I think that they've probably given them their best football game since the AFC championship game last year, for sure. Um, and they certainly look like the most, if not one of the most complete teams in the NFL right now. And since Paul started already by softly throwing the defense <laughs> under the bus. I'm going to let him get us really started with this game, but those were my general impressions. Did you come away feeling differently or, or has you, has your attitude about the game changed in the intervening week off? No. And in fact, my notes, my first note reflects your, your thought about it being an entertaining game where I, I was going to go back and rank in entertainment value, various bills losses, but I only went back five years and I placed this one as a solid, number two behind, of course, the Arizona game last year's number one, and then the uh, crazy back and forth Seahawks Monday night game in 2016, where similar situation, the Bills get down to the goal line with a chance to win on the road on Monday night and just couldn't quite pull it out. So this was, it was a fun game to watch. Uh, I also owe an apology to the team for jinxing the Result by noting previously that the Bills no longer had any active losing streaks against any AFC teams yep. after beating Kansas City and Houston the prior two weeks. Now they've lost two in a row to the Texans, uh, the Titans. So, you know, that was disappointing. On the game itself, yeah, looking back, I still have the same concerns. I feel like a lot of people are talking about the offense and some of the red zone issues and so forth. I'll leave some of that for Scott and whatever else he wants to talk about. I want to focus on the larger issue of uh, a defense where the first three Titans drives all in the first quarter, uh, punt, punt, and interception. I don't think anyone for more than 14 yards. Every other drive the rest of the game, four touchdowns, two field goals, and then running out the clock at the end of each half. That was the rest of their drives. They had one 
interceptionated drive uh, that they that it was an 11 yard touchdown drive. Every other drive was between 54 and 76 yards. So the defense went from all cylinders to no cylinders, and there was no <clears throat> middle ground there. And I think the Derrick Henry effect of that big run really showed. Joe Biscaglia in his assessment of the All-22 noted what a tough day it was for Matt Milano, uh, that he had had his worst game in years for the Bills is in terms of really trying to overcommit to stop the run. And that was one reason that the Titans were able to find some holes and Tannehill was able to complete so many passes. I also want to bring up my disappointment in the pass rush. I mean, this was Tannehill was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL going into that game. And the Bills had no sacks and I believe two QB pressures. Uh, I read if anyone who wants to correct that, go ahead. But I think it was two QB pressures. And I remember thinking like, except for an, against an inert Miami offensive line, this pass rush has done very little this season. And that's something I'd like to see them explore uh, on the bye week. I was reflecting. I was glad Tannehill had little run game support in Miami because otherwise the Bills wouldn't have been able to beat up on him all the time like they tended to uh, when he was with the Dolphins. So, yeah, I I think the offense is going to open for a lot of discussion, especially the decision at the end and some of uh, Josh's decisions on the penultimate drive to try and go for the knockout punch rather than jab them into oblivion like he did with the Chiefs the week before on the the, the closing drive. But I will leave it there and just say, you know, uh, this is a unique matchup problem for the Bills, as as Frank said. And I think it's, it, the Titans are just going to pose a, a problem that, that the Bills are going to have to figure out how to address in the second half. Yeah, I mean, I think in general, yeah, I agree. Obviously, they're, um, the the Titans are a good team. I think the Bills are a good team. I would hope that a reasonable Titans fan watching this game would come to the same conclusion of those were two fairly even match teams admittedly playing in Tennessee and a game that probably could have come down either way. Um, you know, someone was going to make a play at the end to win or lose the game. And in this case, it was the Titans and Jeffrey Simmons you know, making the play to kind of stop Allen. Um, but obviously, you know, there could have been there, you know, maybe there's opportunities for the Bills to succeed. I obviously was not looking at it from the Titans' perspective. I'm sure there's plays they feel like they left on the field where they could have gotten more touchdowns or more points to put the Bills, you know, further behind the eight ball um, going into the half. So, I, or going into the end of the game. So I think uh, getting to the offense, I would say, I would say a bit, an offense by definition, like, Again, like perfect, like we talked about early in the season, like perfection is very hard to define. Um, if if perfection is even scoring a touchdown on every drive, there's no been no NFL team that's ever come close to that. So the you know saying it's a red zone issue um, to me, like there are some slightly more unique challenges to the red zone because obviously you don't have as much field to play with. But ultimately, like sometimes I would say that. Uh, a team can have just be a normal, a, a good offensive team can fail for a variety of reasons. And sometimes they will fail in the red zone. Sometimes they will fail because they turn the ball over too much. Sometimes they'll fail because, you know, they, they can't, they can't, you know, get the first, you know, they can't, they can't get a good momentum going. You know, they get a, they can't get a first down that then once they get the first down, they'll, they're, they're on better. You know, the things sometimes work like that. Um, you know, I feel like there's a variety of, you know, they're not enough aggressive enough in the green zone. You know, those are all kind of specific, like, explanations for when an offense isn't perfect. But none of them are, are really persuasive for me in terms of the Bills right now. I think it is in general, like, they are not a perfect offense. They cannot be perfect. 
And so that is going to lead to them occasionally scoring 34 points or 31 points or 28 points when they could have scored 35 or 42 or 49. And it's just hard to do that consistently against good, good to average NFL teams. So I, some of this is, is, yeah, obviously any one play you can pick apart in any one game, but I don't think this is a generalized concern across the offense. It's just, you're not going to be perfect every week. And I think it just shows that it's hard to do this every week. I mean, that's why perfect seasons are hard. And that's why winning Super Bowls are hard is that you have to kind of play like this a lot and get all the things in your favor and be lucky with the health. And you're not always going to do that. Um, I think the defense definitely has more concerns. I think we all kind of, when we did, um, you know, Mary kill and uh, fornicate with <laughs> the other week, um, you know, I the think, F is for fornicate folks. Exactly. Um, you know, my reservations about the defense were a bit um, exposed here in terms of, uh, you know, some of the, the lack of things we have. Some of that is Derrick Henry, obviously, as Paul pointed out, kind of a unique challenge that really there's no other back in the league quite like him nope. in terms of the combination of no. bruising strength and breakaway speed. But at the same time, you know, that that is that is a thing. Right. So, um you know, we're going to have to potentially play them again. So we got to have to do a better job. Um, anyway, the, the theory is I think we can do better, but at the same time, I'm not going to, I'm not going to freak out and panic and say, this is something structural about the bills right now. Very good. I'm glad that we're all <clears throat> largely on the same page. I think that, you know, it's not even Scott about scoring every time it's about when you score and how much. Cause I do think that, you know, imagine, imagine a game where instead of walking away with six in the first, two possessions they come away 14 you know i, I think that it, it might be early to say that changes the game but if you trade when you get the field goals and the touchdowns it's a little harder to perform this balanced offensive attack that that tennessee has and i think that it does take a guy like derrick henry to really have that level of balance you know it he he is something special you know the the bills once again, largely had him in check. You know, I, I, it is not it is never really a fair assessment to say take away the biggest run. But if you do take away the 70 some odd yard run, you know, that's more than half his yards on, on one carry. And, you know, he's not, you know, burning down the house uh, average wise. You know, I, I'm sympathetic to the idea that there was a decent amount of holding on that play. But I also don't know that that really should be like, you know, we should be throwing up our hands and, and, and you know, rending our garments over it. It just it was kind of a football play. Um, Let's you know, get uh, biblical. biblical. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I saw some people like really like it, I always feel like that, you know, I feel like the old man on the hill now because when I or uh, when I when I see like the kids for the first time, like get fucked over by a by a holding call and you're like yeah that that kind of happens and i know there was like three <laughs> holds on that play but like it happens and you know, all sorts of shit happens and, and it doesn't happen in a vacuum either so uh you know what are we going to do now um i mean and they were still at the end of the game in position to win it you know i i certainly had some consternation about not kicking the field goal you know but i ultimately respect and probably prefer the decision in regards to um, you know, trying to win the game. I think what frustrated me at the end was this is a bit picky, but like, you know, it, it's fourth and inches with 22 seconds left and you have one timeout and you're going for, first of all, the big guy QB sneak and Allen slips. But 
even if you pick up the first down, like that, that play is not designed to score. It's, it's designed to pick up the first down, which means after you get the first down, you either have to scramble to get set up again to spike the ball for second down and you still haven't yeah. scored and you still haven't won the game or you have to take your last time out. And yeah, Alan to me, so to me, it's like, you know, I'm worried about what that even accomplishes. But second of all, um, Alan thrives when he has options. Like Alan's best play is, you know, even if it's like you're under shotgun or a few steps back from the line and okay, you've made it harder to get those inches. Well, at this point, you're playing for the game anyway. So I prefer the idea of, you know, you have to spread people out and there's room for Alan to do something. That to me is is his forte. And I don't know, it's certainly like one play out of 70 some odd. He had a very good game otherwise. You know, the, the interception was, was that right? The interception was a tip. It was another, his arm yeah, was yeah, that was kind a, of deal. Yeah, that was the offensive line and uh, that right. interception. They had a bad day, you know, and I and I think that, you know, once and the last thing I was going to say with with regards to the defense, they certainly had their hardest. I think they probably had their hardest task of the year other than Kansas City. But as we're going to talk about after this game, you know, maybe Kansas City was was really having some of their own problems anyway. But really, you know, Milano and the guys couldn't key in on, you know, once it was nearly a tie game and and Henry was running downhill, they, they really couldn't get, a, you know, read on whether to play the run or the pass. And that is. Tennessee's strength. I think I think Tennessee's weakness is that they are probably one injury away from being a much worse team. Like when they fire on all cylinders, they sort of do have like a perfect ecosystem of offense. You know, it is the Frank's platonic ideal of a Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> offense where everything else is great and all a Fitzpatrick has to do is deliver the ball in the right places, you know. But if you think about Derrick Henry or, or even, you know, this th- this team, I think about the Bills. If you took Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley off the field against the Jets, I think the Bills could still beat the Jets. And the Titans really struggled. They lost, in fact, to the Jets. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not every, again, not every game is the same or in a vacuum and it's not a one for one. But I do think that, you know, you have two unique, you have three unique skill players and a quarterback who thrives on getting the balls in all the right places. And, you know, if I, I certainly would be comfortable with having to play the, I think the Titans present probably the hardest challenge of any team in the AFC to the Bills. You know, and they certainly showed it by winning it. But I also think that, you know, if without Julio Jones or without A.J. Brown or without Derrick Henry, any one of those three, you know, I think that, you know, I'm ready to take the Bills in a much different position because I think that their offense is really built on having teams have to guess who is going to have the ball. And, you know, as opposed to the Bills, where you just know it's always going to be in Josh Allen's hands and it's going to be about where he puts it. But it always starts there. Um, and, you know, that presents its own um, challenges and whatnot. But on the whole, you know, you know, I, I don't know, four and two. I think I think four and two we yeah. thought was the was the basement for the first six games. You know, I think we had all sort of thought the Chiefs and the Titans might be the two games they'd lose. And we wanted better than four and two. But we knew that was kind of the stretch goal. And um, in any event, they're four and two now. They had a bye week. Um, and let's let, let let Scott do the three stars and then we will talk about uh, the AFC picture 
uh, carte blanche or in general or whatever? I am going to talk about the fourth down first. I don't know. Paul, do you want oh, to talk about the fourth down? Yes, please. Yeah, you know what? That's fair. Yeah. I, that, that's a big call, and I should yeah. have opened that up. So, Paul, why don't you talk about the fourth down, and then, Scott, bring us home with your fourth down thoughts and the three stars. All right. So, yeah, as, as we know, and, and as anyone on Twitter can tell by my retweets, uh, factually supporting it, I think that was absolutely the the right call. They had, you know, 13 out of 14 times they have tried a fourth and one sneak with Josh Allen, or 14 times they've tried it, 13 times they'd made it. The one exception was a fumbled snap back in 2019 against, of course, Tennessee. Why not? So that's a money play. If you kick the field goal, you put yourselves in a situation where you're looking at something like a 50 50 uh, best case scenario going into overtime. I went through how the defense performed after the first quarter. They were had not stopped the Titans from scoring, literally had not stopped the Titans from scoring at any point. So unless you win the toss, go down and score a touchdown, uh, which the Bills only did once in the second half, that really seems to me hedging your bets. You're down at the three-yard line. You have control of the ball. You have a chance to score. You, and even if you fail, at least you score three. If you can, and even if you get the first down but then fail to score a touchdown, you have the opportunity to kick a field goal with no time left on the clock from 18 yards. So you don't leave the, the Titans any time on, to, to do anything or get a big return or anything like that. So fully in favor of the decision. Uh, outcome sucked, and it was unfortunate it happened. So I, I don't think it's a clear cut either way, just to be clear. Like, I think I can I can I understand the the analytics and the, the probabilities say go for it. And that obviously there's you're putting a lot of faith in your team. And I get that. And obviously, like, there's a certain amount of like lose the battle, win the war with like, OK, if you kick the field goal. Sure. Like if you went, I, I probably would have caught kicked the field goal myself under the theory that, like, I think we're the better team. So if we're the better team, let's not put ourselves into a position where we can win or lose on a fourth down call um, where we have to go for it um, right there. Like, let's let's extend the game, because by definition, if we think we're the better team, we should try. Like when you're the, the worst team, that's when you got to take the risk and be like, hey, we got them. It's win or lose right here. Let's go for it. That's the Lions, you know, two weeks ago against whoever they were playing the Vikings. And obviously they still botched it because they're the Lions. But, but, <laughs> right. But if you're the better team, then the argument is, like, let's extend the game. There's a chance we'll get into a better position where we don't have to go all or nothing to win the game against an inferior team. Um, I would have done that. I could also understand the argument that, you know, again, the Olympics are in favor. And that, you know, if there's a there's a win the battle, lose the war of like, okay, maybe we win this game. But have we hurt the confidence of the offense or the morale of the team by kind of not, you know, playing the probabilities in their favor and understanding that? I would say, like... There's plenty of things the players want to do all the time. That's why the coaches are there to be like, no, we're not going to go for it on fourth down in the first quarter from our own 20. Like, that's not a relevant kind of, you know, that, that's, you can't always go with what the players say. But I get there's there's bigger things at play there. So I, I'm not horribly opposed to going for it. Uh, I think I would have kicked it myself. But that's, but again, I'm not, uh, I'm not Sean McDermott. He's done an okay job. I I think yes. I'm closer to Scott's position here. I think that the one thing I was going to say was, you know, everybody is very confident 10 out of 10 times. I'd go with Josh on that play. I get it. I also think exactly kind of what Scott said. Like, I'm also like, if you are confident in the offense, you can be confident that they'll march the ball down the field again. You know, I, I think that the overall, you know, metric, I, 
I'm not disagreeing with what the probability is saying. I'm just also saying that, you know, when you tend to believe in the offense, you believe they will go down the field again. Um, and it's but and, and also he threw the defense into the bus and he said, yeah, we actually hadn't done a great stop, job of stopping them in the second half. So I wasn't going to put them in a position where they had to stop someone again, which is similarly throwing the defense under the bus. Like right. the same it, not trusting you're always kicking. Yeah, you're always kicking somebody when you're doing something extreme. And um, yeah. I was I was thankful that the defense was sort of OK with Josh going for it. Maybe they were feeling it. You know, maybe Jordan Player was like, I have been run over enough times today that <laughs> I don't need another one. Um, or Micah so, Hyde throwing himself in front of the Derrick Henry truck, which you're like, I'm going yes. to feel this tomorrow, but it's going to be another long touchdown. So I uh, just pray for my points soul. Out, that's a win for Micah Hyde, even though it yeah. doesn't look like it. The fact that Derrick Henry ends up tackled, that's ultimately a win, even though he's looks completely shattered. <laughs> um, and yep. I, I think just like the game overall, it really could, you know, there are merits on both sides. Uh, I, I definitely said the phrase, the other team gets paid to this week. And, um, you know, hats off to Tennessee, who looks like a very complete team right now. And so we will have to see if they can maintain it. Now, let us go to three stars with our yes. wonderful host, Scott. Uh, we will start with our honorable mentions, as we often do. Um, Dawson Knox, uh, three catches, 25 yards, not normally kind of honorable mention material, but obviously had the successful two-point conversion with a broken hand. So that definitely gets you uh, an honorable mention, at least, even if you otherwise didn't have a great day at the office. Yep. Um, Although, stop throwing to Josh Allen in the end zone, Bills, because they've done it three times now, and they've been three heartbreaking losses every single time. The, the Cardinals, this one, and then the wild card game against the Texans. Yeah. Burn it down. Burn it down. But take that page out of the playbook. Uh, <laughs> So let's do uh, a more honorable mentions. We'll go to Steph Diggs, nine catches for 89 yards and a touchdown, and a nice nice one at that uh, in, in kind of in traffic and tough coverage. Nice to see him on the board uh, again. Um, Cole Beasley, uh, I think maybe your first honorable mention for him this year mm-hmm. uh, with seven catches Quite for 88. Um, obviously had a little more with Knox out of it, um, but I think otherwise was a good matchup against a, a very dinged up, Tennessee secretary, uh, secretary, secretary. <laughs> uh, that's a different. I gotta say, for a secretary, really good play. Really good play. Yes. Exactly. Uh, a banged up Tennessee secretary is something completely different. Yeah, that so, yeah. that's you know, that's the punchline to a junk joke we're not telling. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, she's seen more. Uh, yeah, no, we don't. No. <laughs> So uh, other honorable mentions go to Jordan Poyer, uh, four tackles and the nice interception, um, as well as some Titans, uh, including, who did I pick out? Including Jeffrey Simmons um, for obviously the, the big play. I mean, it's, it's five tackles and had a decent day at the office and then and made the play and, and shame on Deion Dawkins. Like, got one job in that play, and that's don't let that guy. Push the dude. Work. Yeah, you gotta push him so that he can't do that, and you didn't do it. So him and job. him and Spencer Brown, him and Spencer Brown switched jerseys for that play. I think so. <laughs> it was. Uh, I mean, that is that is the bad thing about Spencer Brown is he is so tall. It would be actually kind of hard to get that low on some things. So right. Uh, but anyway, we will continue on, and we will give the third star to AJ Brown. Seven catches, ninety-one yards. Uh, no touchdowns, but um, obviously, I think, obviously, as the Tennessee offense kind of fe- figured out their play action 
kind of uh, mid-range passing game in the second half. He was the one who kind of was the, the, the straw that stirred the drink, was the guy who got open and caught the passes and was able to kind of keep the offense moving while they were waiting for the, the kind of battering ram to break down the door that was, that was Derrick Henry, who obviously we'll be talking about uh, momentarily. Yes. Um, All those so, catches in the second half, by the way, for A.J. Brown. So that's showing yeah. up when your team needs you. Absolutely. Um, second start goes to Josh Allen, 35 of 47, 353 yards, three touchdowns, uh, the interception, um, three sacks. Obviously not his not his best game, as we talked about some inconsistencies, you know, in the first half, uh, as well as in the in the um, in the in the kind of penultimate drive for the Bills. But again, you know, looking at the all 22 stuff, you know, those mistakes he could make on a lot of different plays and he's just not he just can't hit them all like that's I, I. I think I agree that obviously this offense can do better, but it's going to be tough to be always getting to 35 points every game. That's just it's just a tough thing to do. Yeah. Um, uh, just, a quick, football just a quick moment. Matt Rose is 3 out of 47, 6.7%. Tannehill's was 19.2. So kudos to Josh. Yeah. Quick. Uh, I just quickly want to point out that like, that this is like not a great day at the office for Josh Allen and it's still light years better than the last 20 years and so just a just a just a just a quick just a quick note to say that you know when a guy goes over 300 and has multiple touchdowns and we can go well i mean could have played a little better yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah these are bledsoe and fixes like he's, very very best days like these are good times oh, yeah these are good times yeah uh, they are they are we are in the good times we are not in the darkest time um but uh, yeah, first star Derrick Henry, 20 carries, 143 yards, three touchdowns, uh, plus the two two catches for 13 more yards. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I think some of it is the some of it is the demoralization factor. Some of it is the 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 big plays. Some of it's the you know like as, as and to that point, Frank, they do not let you take those ones off the board. That is kind of the problem. Of course. Of course, seventy-one yard d- does does actually count, um, but but obviously I think that is and again that is kind of their offense. Much it is it is a big play offense. You can have a big play on the run game in some ways the same way you can on any big pass play. Like you don't design them for that, but you're basically hoping that everyone makes the block that they're supposed to. The running back makes one guy miss, and then if everyone executes their block successfully, it's a touchdown every time. But obviously, it doesn't doesn't usually work that way. But at the same time, that is that is the theory, and that is, I think, in part what the Tennessee offense is based on. That they will hit enough of those right. the same way that, you know, Kansas City plans on Travis Kelsey breaking a tackle on a 35-yard, you know, post route, or Tyreek Hill catches a 50-yard slant, or, you know, the Bills put, you know, Steph Diggs on a deep out. You know, that those are those are plays designed to score touchdowns. If one thing you break the defense down one thing the wrong way um but anyway it didn't work out um but those are your three stars for the bills this game or for the game i should say if only if only andre smith hadn't held we would at least have an honorable bench for isaiah mckenzie but yeah yeah, he did yeah. Didn't 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 realize i you guys were watching it live i'm sure that must have been a a crusher as i like it was it was. Thankfully, I saw the flag they, early. They I saw the flag so early. Yeah. I'm like, this is going to be a hold. They made it down the field. Jeremy White, very like, whatever. Well, we're going to score anyway. 
Jeremy White very quickly was like, I didn't want those points anyway. We would have scored too fast. And I, I, I understand it, but I also have a hard time ever taking a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, um, I felt bad for McKenzie because he got to the end zone. He raised his hands. He's like, why is no one celebrating with me? And then he realized, oh, this is why no one is celebrating with me. Uh, so let's see. Want to talk about the JFC in general? I think we've got a good picture. The only tricky bit is the Bills are are a half game behind a lot of teams, um, or a half game ahead of some teams, having not played this week. But you know, Las Vegas leads the West with the Chargers half a game behind them. The Chiefs got, I mean, they got fucking throttled by the Titans. Like, like I thought the Bills did a great job on the tight on the Chiefs, and I thought that was about as good as anybody was going to do on the Chiefs. And the Titans absolutely ate their lunch, used their toilet, broke a wall, and then said, mm, I'm going to live here now. And they that, that was pretty much the sum of the game. This is the first time they've been held up without a touchdown in the in the Patrick Mahomes era. And they look exposed. They look like there's an offense trying to do way too much because their defense can't do anything. You know, they're, they're sub, let's see, they are 12, they are 15 points under, uh, they're negative 15 points in differential. Like they are, and, and they have the record to match at three and four. Um, you know, I don't know if I'm going to count them out yet, but like they are so far behind anybody in regards to, in regards to like, tiebreakers and, and seeding that like if they do make the playoffs i can't imagine they're hosting a game unless they win the west um the Bengals kind of did almost the same to the ravens five and two uh and and uh have the advantage over the ravens the bills as we sit would be fourth uh of the of the division teams they would be fourth the titans are third at five and two uh but look like maybe the most complete team the only other thing I would mention, I think, in real in relation to uh, the Bills, uh, you know, the Dolphins blow one against the the Falcons and the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots put up was it forty seven or no, it was a fifty burger. They put fifty plus yep. on the Jets, um, which says more about that the Jets than the Patriots. To me, certainly has some Patriots fans happy, but they're going to go to the Chargers before they see the bills so we'll see if they can repeat that um so here's the bills four and two um a game ahead of the patriots in the division um it feels bigger than that if i'm if i'm being honest i think the patriots three wins are the jets the dolphins and the jets or did they beat yes yeah they've swept the jets for the uh sixth season in a row the patriots have swept the jets Right. To be fair to the like, Patriots. Actually, no, the Patriots lost to the Dolphins. So they've beaten the Jets twice and they beat the Texans. Still as unimpressive Texans. as beating the Dolphins. Right. They they beat of the three worst teams, they beat two of them and lost one. Um although to be so fair to them I, too, they barely lost. They lost an overtime to the Cowboys. They lost by two on a last second field to go to the Bucks. They you know, and then they they did lose bigger to the Saints, and of course they are the Dolphins' lone win. So Tough right. to figure them out. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think probably there's some level where they're they're better than uh you know they they're better than the worst teams. They're probably a pr- perfectly middling team, right? Like they're probably yeah. like a perfectly in the middle team, which is why even though the Bills are a game up, it feels kind of bigger. Um, but and they have played the Bills, five home games already, so that's gonna be tough for them. They got a lot of road half. games coming up. Yeah. Okay. Well, where do we think? I mean. How do we think the Bills fit in here? Do you do we think that um, 
do we think that you know fourth is about right do you think that they're gonna move up move down i mean i'm just looking for paul why don't you start since scott's done a lot of talking give me some general impressions on the afc and where the bills fit into that picture i think that's kind of where we're at yeah i think to answer your question i think the bills will move up i think one of the biggest contributing factors of that is the Divisional structure, I think it's safe to say there is at most one team, the AFC East, who the Bills could play that is a legitimate threat to beat them uh, in New England. And I don't and we don't even know if they are, as we just just touched base on. They they played really well this week, but it was against the Jets. How will Mac Jones look week to week? Will he continue developing? You know, it remains to be seen. But it's an easy division. They have some easier games left when you look at, you know, remaining games against the Jaguars and against the Panthers and so forth. So they're in a good situation. If you're in the AFC North, good luck. Like, I don't even rule out the Steelers at this point in their three and three record because you look at who they've they've played. That loss to the Bengals doesn't look so bad now. Uh, You know, that loss to the Packers never looked bad. The loss to the Raiders doesn't look bad. Uh, they managed to beat the Bills. They managed to beat a Broncos team that started the year three and zero. So throw them in a mix with three, you know, seemingly legitimate teams with the Bengals, Ravens, and Browns. And my hope is they will beat up on each other enough that the Bills can take advantage of the soft schedule and rise above them. The AFC West is like the North in that I can't figure out exactly what's going to happen. I think the Broncos are going to drop. I know they've lost four in a row, and so that's extremely easy to say they're going to drop, but I can't imagine the Chiefs, even if they're not the level they have been previous seasons, which Frank kind of alluded to them not being, and I I would tend to agree with that. I think, you know, they're going to get some wins. The Chargers and the Raiders, we've seen enough of them early on to know that we don't know if they're fully legitimate, but they're probably at least, uh, you know, over 500 type legitimate. And I think they'll beat up on each other too, and that should help Buffalo as well. Um I think the Bills are going to, the AFC South, the Titans are going to be the toughest team. And I think, you know, we'll throw in the listener questions segment here too, because we only had one since I threw out the thing lay and it goes right into this. With the Chiefs looking like a mess, uh, asked Dig Season, Zay Day, uh, who do you see as the biggest obstacle to securing the number one seed? And I'm going to say it's going to be that Titans team. They have the head-to-head matchup. Yeah. They are five and two. They've shown that they can beat a lot of teams. They lost to the Jets, as, as Frank had pointed out, a few weeks back without their top two receivers. So that was a big factor with why the Titans uh, couldn't get anything going in the air that day. And the Colts are kind of the unknown, like the Patriots are, and the Jaguars and Texans are trash. So they're going to have a chance to take advantage of that sort of soft scheduling as well. So I think the AFC plays out. You have your, you have a few question marks, like the to me, the Steelers, the Browns, the Colts, the Pats are kind of question marks. You have the the have-nots with the Jaguars, the Texans, the Jets, and the Dolphins. I think you're going to put the Broncos Dolphins, in that category yeah. sooner than later. Uh, and then you have the rest of the teams, all of which have two losses, and it will be interesting to see how that plays out. But I would... I, if I if, you, if I'm a betting man, I think the post buy outlook is that the Bills, if they win the games they should win, win a game or two of the ones they should lose or, or they might lose or might be underdogs in, uh, maybe win one of those. They're going to be at least a two seed, maybe a one seed, depending on how the Titans do from here on out. Yeah, I think I'd only throw the North winner. I mean, it's obviously the only other division that's kind of really close, but like I'm, I'm less concerned about the West. I really sort of think the Ravens are still a really good team. Like Lamar Jackson's pretty excellent. Um, obviously, they just got exposed by the Bengals, but up until then, I really sort of was impressed with them. And so I think if the Bengals or the 
or the Ravens take control of that division, they also could be a, a one seed candidate. And, and it's a little tougher because you're not really going to play either of those teams. And so you're kind of stuck mm-hmm. with, you know, just the Titans. Scott, what are your thoughts on the AFC and the Buffalo Bills? <clears throat> I think, um, I think that just, I mean, I, I, would, I don't think I have much to add on the one seed discussion. I think you guys pretty much covered my thoughts. I don't think there's a lot to add there. I think I will simply say that, um, you know, there's kind of, there's some middling teams, there's some bad teams. I'd say I would put um, the Bengals and a little bit the Browns, but also the Raiders and the Chargers in the kind of like place where the Bills were last year, where they are they are making it clear like they are going to be a factor in the in the in the playoffs. Um, and they want to be there, and they have some they have some potential to be dangerous. But you kind of wonder, can they put it all together this season itself um, to 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 kind of make it all the way? And like teams do that, it happens. There's no book that says you have to have playoff experience before you make it to the Super Bowl. Obviously, I think it it kind of does help in terms of your understanding the pressure and the and the kind of um, the level of perfection that it, you is required to 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 kind of succeed in the postseason. But there's nothing magical um, about it. It's it it's it, it can be overcome, and it is is arguably less important than the matchup in any given week or injuries or you know the players you know executing the way that they're supposed to on some level. Um, so I think those things are I think those are that, and then you kind of have the old guard of the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Titans. And I think as much as like the Titans are a good team. I don't feel like I am scared playing them. Obviously, they've got a good chance to win. Um, would I rather play? I mean, I think of the three of the Ravens, Titans, Chiefs, I would rather play. Probably, it's, it's a tough one because, like, obviously, we've beaten both the Ravens and the Chiefs, but in some ways, I feel like both of those teams are maybe, in some ways, more dangerous than the Titans, even though obviously we've just lost to, to the Titans you know, twice in two years. So on some level, um, boy, I don't know who I'd say I'd rather face. I guess I'd rather face the Titans. It's weird to say that, but I still am too concerned Mm -hmm. about the And I feel like the Ravens have enough. I mean, I don't know. We've done okay against the Ravens. I guess I'd be, I can see it either any three ways, but if you may put a gun in my head and pick, I'd say the Titans. And then if you went to the, the rest of those kind of, quasi contenders i am i am certainly nervous about the Bengals. i am yeah. i'm very nervous about the Bengals. they the are Bengals to me are like the rumsfeld the unknown unknown if you will yeah. you know you got yeah. the known knowns and known unknowns like I the could, Bengals. i have no idea how that would go and i'd I could see them, with the raiders i could see them coming into buffalo and them putting up 450 yards and scoring 50 points or i could see them coming in and putting up five points like <laughs> i like anything's on the table with that and and they're they're it's it's a little terrifying obviously so um, so they're kind of their own special breed and I think I'd rather play any one of them that said I'd rather play any one of them probably in front of those kind of old guard teams just on the theory that hopefully the Bills playoff experience means something and that those those teams might not have as much of it obviously Cleveland has some playoff experience but I feel like they're still in a different category than the uh, Chiefs, Titans, and Ravens. 
but that could just be a bias against the Browns because I don't think that they're, they're that good. So I don't know. Those are my thoughts. Browns, Browns bias is a well-known, documented fact. Um, well, you asked her your question. I will briefly yep. mention that Dawson Knox is out for about three weeks, one of which has already passed, um, and the second of which will be this week. And, you know, so he could be back. This is the right part of the schedule, probably, to have to go without Dawson Knox. But, um, you know, he could be back yes. as early as the following week, maybe not against Miami. Um, and we are. This does through. mean we're depending on Tommy Sweeney, who has uh, four catches this year, and they are four one-yard catches. No more than one yard, no less than one yard. So, well, to be fair, one of them was from the one-yard line because didn't he catch true. a touchdown? So that there is, you go. Yes. Like you do, didn't have a lot more room to go. <laughs> you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but could you lead us through this day in Bills headlines, and then we will wrap up with our preview of the Bills Dolphins game, where yeah. a rejuvenated Tua Tagovailoa might have all of his weapons and it still might not matter. Yep. Quick shout out, by the way, to everyone on Twitter who was interacting with us during the game. I won't name you all, but thank you, Mark and George and Nick and Peter and Tom and uh, the usual crew and JD, everyone who was, was online with us. So this day in Bill's headlines, another day we've never done. And we're going to have some debuts on this day in Bill's headlines of players we haven't mentioned on Bill's headlines before. So exciting day ahead. So Today is October 25th. That is the day we will look back at, and we will go first to October 25th of 2020. Bill's blank blessed with overwhelming power and a hand from heaven. It says, blank, a defensive tackle for the Buffalo Bills, was promoted from their practice squad for the second time this season and played 44% of the defensive snaps in a 26-17 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. The reigning Super Bowl champs gassed the Bills for 245 rushing yards, but Blank nearly forced a game-changing fumble in the final minutes deep in KC territory and finished the highest-graded interior defensive lineman on the team, according to Pro Football Focus. This is a Justin player, Zimmer. Justin Zimmer. Very good, Scott, making his this day in Bills headlines nice. debut. All right, another one, I believe, making their debut on this day in Bills headlines. 2019. Buffalo Bills kicking the tires on wide receivers had interest in blank. Two weeks ago, Broncos GM John Elway was playing wait and see on trades. Then blank didn't play in the second half of a shutout win over the Titans, pushing Denver back into the AFC West picture two and four. The receiver met with head coach Vic Fangio on Monday and then Elway on Tuesday and agreed if blank was a good soldier to consider offers for the receiver. Uh, blank played 88% of the snaps against Kansas city. And then the GM found a hot market with the saints and bills vying with the 49ers and Pats for his services. So Denver dealt him. I will give a hint that Denver did not deal him to the bills. They dealt him to the 49ers. Hmm. But of the four team mentions in the, in this, which was the saints bills, 49ers and Patriots who are all vying for him. This player has since played for three of those teams. And this is a two year old headline. Don't I'm, I'd say don't Emmanuel over, Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders. There you go, Frank. Thank you. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I don't know why. I, <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. I swear you guys are going too deep. I'm like, just think service. I think software. that's yeah. what it was. Trains that's what it was. The 49ers then played with the, the Saints last year. Now yes. plays with the Bills. Yeah. Right. 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 All right. 2018. <laughs> Bills blank still leans on Village that helped him overcome early obstacles. I didn't make a lot of plays in college and there wasn't a lot of film on me because I came out as a redshirt sophomore, Blank said. So when I left, 
Oklahoma. That's how they labeled me. Before my rookie year, I had never played in a system like the attack defense the Dolphins used. I was a zero technique rather than reading, rather than attacking. So it took me a little bit longer to get going. My second year was the same way. My third year, I had a really good year. I was one of the most productive people out there, but the labels never go away. Oh, man. I feel like, wait, I almost want you to read the whole thing Dolphins. again. But... Yeah, I know, because I left in three key hints. I, will emphasize, I won't read the whole thing again, yeah. but I will emphasize enough of it Thanks. that will help. I left as a redshirt sophomore from Oklahoma, blah, blah, uh -huh. blah. I had never played in a system like the attack defense the Dolphins use, blah, blah, blah. I was uh -huh. a zero technique, rather, reading rather than attacking, blah, blah, blah. So those are the three things if you take out of that, you might be able to, to get this player. Very productive, Bill. That's oh, it is. thunder. Very nice. Oh, yeah. there we That's go. thunder. I got it. I'm sheltered. It's okay. Uh, Brian it's Cox that. Jr.? Nope. Nope. It's not, Guy it's not Star. It's not Harrison. It's right. not Ed. It's, it's a guy not, who cashed out big when yeah. with his nine and a half sack season. Is it Vernon Butler? No. Nine no. and a half sack season. Yep. Got a big contract from another team. He's been injured most of this year, but he's played the last two weeks for this very, very good team and has been, you know, did pretty well the last couple of weeks from what I've read. I, this one's a tough one because zero technique is that a, that's a defensive tackle, right? That's yeah, it is it. defensive tackle. You've named all of them except this guy, really, at this point. Ed Oliver was having difficulty starting ahead of this guy. Um, so Harris, not, Harrison Phillips, not Harrison, no, not Stanford. not Harrison Phillips, no. Oh, uh, that was a hint right there. Yes. Yeah. Um. Uh. Oh, the guy. Yeah, I know the guy. I know the guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, then just give it to him. I think if he knows the guy. Yeah. I have to. There's a tornado happening and I'm going to come into my house. So yeah. hurry up and get this so I don't die. Yes. All right. Darn. Yeah. Just fucking say it. It's the big yeah. the big guy who got some sacks as defensive tackle. It was him and Shaq Lawson. We lost them both in the same offseason. I can't remember what the other guys. It's like not... Jay Phillips or something. Yes. Jordan Phillips. Jordan Phillips. That's Jordan Phillips. Phillips. Yep. All right. That was a struggle. It's okay. Will rebound. All right. 2017. Blank tops all receivers in return to Buffalo. Throughout Sunday's game, Blank was the most productive wide receiver in the league based on highest yards per route run. Top five were Blank, Tedgen Jr., Alan Hearns, Tyreek Hill, and Amari Cooper. Blank's first game in Buffalo since 2014 was encouraging, and Pro Football Focus provided an in depth analysis of his performance. This is a 2017 headline. 2017 headline about someone who was in Buffalo in 2014. Yeah. Kind of makes it sound like he was on the Bills in 2014. Correct. But not so much 2017. Yeah, we're not um, so much at least in 2015 and 16, but now, oh, hey, 2017 is here, and now he's back with the Bills. Oh, he's back with the Bills. I thought he yeah. was back with the Bills. Yeah. Okay. So who left? If you, if you listen to the segment of uh, this thing, Bill's Headlines, today on Bills and Beers years ago, this one made Lars, uh, not this very headline, but when Lars realized that this guy had been on the Bills since 2014, he, he, or had been with the Bills, the Bills had kicked the tires on him so much, he, Lars kind of lost his shit in a good way. Uh, Known for one of the most uh, legendary catches of the magical 2017 season. And he caught that pass not from Tyrod Taylor or Nathan Peterman. 
This is hottest from Jacoby Brissett in the snow game. Yep, yep. I don't know who he threw it to. Joe Webb lobbed it up in the air, and on the other end oh, was Joe Webb who threw it. Yeah, okay. yeah. Jacoby um, was on the Colts sideline. That he was day. on the Colts. Right. He was yep. yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. Well, know. all right. I have obviously forgotten this <laughs> legendary game. Poor Deontay Thompson. Made that uh, great yeah. third down catch in the snow, kept that drive alive. McCoy ran yeah. in for a score. The Bills made the playoffs. Stroud ended. All that stuff. Sorry. This is a sad one. Uh, not sad. No one's dead. Uh, so I hope you get it quickly. Um, Blank says back is not a chronic issue. I could just tell playing last year that was one of my weaknesses. When I would take on double teams, guys would get me on one leg and I couldn't recover to my opposite leg. I had a lot of trouble with my back last year, so working the core actually helped a lot this year. Uh, the sad part is, <clears throat> his back injury was a chronic injury. In an interview four years later in 2015, he noted he got all doped up on Tordal to survive Sundays, and during the week, he chugged pain pills like Tic Tacs, and he played that 2011 season with a fractured back, his disc slipping, jamming into nerves, and during the most unthinkable pain, uh, he doesn't wish on his own enemies. He played to the point of tears in the subsequent L4, L5 spinal fusion that ended his career. So we're looking yeah. at a late, late. Yep, 20, this was 2011. He only played a few seasons tackle, with the Bills. Defensive, defensive tackle. tackle taking on double teams. So Back we're issues. looking at. So he would have I'll been give you another hint from this article, by the way, which should help. Uh, okay. He was talking about watching random games, and he says, if Gronkowski scores more than one touchdown, I'm going to get 10 to 15 tweets. My mom tells me not to pay it any mind, but it's hard, man, because of the whole situation. Oh, because he was drafted in front of Gronkowski. Yep. One Terrell drafted. Troop. Terrell Troop. Terrell Good job, Troop. Frank. That's the only reason I would have known it. Yes, because I, yeah. All right. This is a first for this day in Dill's headlines. This headline, this is two headlines, one from 2009, one from 2010, about the same player. So the 2009 headline is, Bills blank out for Carolina game in the 2010 headlines is Buffalo Bills got bad break on blank fumble. So the 2009 article notes he was downgraded to the, the rookie tight end was downgraded to out on Saturday in the 2010 uh, sub headline notes. Billy Cundiff kicked a 38 yard field goal with 1057 left in overtime after Ray Lewis stripped the ball from tight end blank and the Baltimore Ravens squeezed past the winless Bills 37 to 34. I remember this game because I was getting my wedding photographs done, and I we watched this game. It, it's we watched this game at Scotts in Foggy Bottom. That was how long ago this game was. I don't think I was with you because I think I was listening okay. to the end of the That's game, right. yeah, on the radio because I had to get these pictures done in Old Town, um, which, as you know, it's <laughs> so important <laughs> that we got these engagement <laughs> stuff. <laughs> right, yeah, it's, it's a big deal engagement photos. Anyway. Um, I remember him getting held up and then stripped in overtime, but I can't remember who yeah. it was. Let's see, 29, 2009, it, 2010. Was it one of the Flying Derricks? Nope, nope, not not sadly one of the Flying Derricks. How about Tim Ewis? Tim Ewis, another great guest from that era. Um, you also remember him maybe from his uh, the one highlight of his career in the Monday night game against the Patriots where he barely scored a touchdown leaping over the pylon from on a Trent Edwards pass. And then the Bills ended up losing. But uh, he had, there was a there was a Mark wide receiver. Campbell. There was a there was a mediocre wide receiver the Bills had at the same time who had the same last name. So not Mark Campbell. 
No, this is when you go through Frank's list of common wide receiver names from that era and you is hit it, the right is answer. It, is it Sean Nelson? Sean Nelson. Very there good. There you go. Unlike oh, yeah. David Nelson. Unlike right. David Nelson. All right. Uh, this is the one you have no chance of guessing, so we're just going to hint you into the oblivion here, hoping it strikes a bell. 2006, slumping Bills bench guard blank realigned tackles. My hints here will give you pretty much everyone who was playing offensive line for the Bills at that time who's not this guy. Uh, losers of three straight after a surprisingly competitive 2-2 start to the season, the Buffalo Bills will use their bye week to dramatically shuffle an offensive line that has struggled to protect J.P. Lossman in recent outings. If that sentence alone doesn't make you think how much better the Bills are going into this bye week oh than their God. 2006 bye yeah. week, now you know. Oh, my God. In an overhaul that affects three positions, the Bills eventually starting left guard blank and moved left tackle Mike Gandy into his position. Right tackle Jason Peters, who signed a contract extension in mid-July, and is regarded as the Bills' top lineman, will move to left tackle. Rookie Terrence Pennington, a seventh-round draft choice, is a new starter at right tackle. A massive overhaul leaves only two linemen, center Melvin Fowler and gut right guard Chris Valario, in their normal starting positions. Does this person have a Z in their name? They do not. I will give this. I will give these two hints, one of which is name related. Uh, he was okay. a 2005th round pick by the Saints out of Ole Miss. He only played six NFL, six games with the Bills, no six, but he started one more in his career, but he was kind of a journeyman guy. His first name is the last name of the Bills punter in their first Super Bowl. And his last name, he shares a last name with a shortstop who tortured both of our baseball teams for, for many years. More Reyes? More Reyes? You've gotten half of the right answer. So Moore was this punter in Super Bowls 2, 3, and 4. I will say the guy that Bills have punt in the first Super Bowl, man, he was he was booting the ball. That, that, that was his nickname, which has not helped at all. <laughs> um, okay, and it's, it's the left guard in 06, along with Fowler, Valario, um, Pennington after Peters moves from right to left. Yeah. This is before we draft Levitre, right? Because right. Levitre this was this was actually it. why we drafted Levitre right because after this season. Because Mike Andy did not work out as left guard. Right. Um, right. I'm still trying to work out the National would, League East shortstop. No, you got the shortstop right. Oh, Reyes. Oh, Reyes. Okay. Now it's then I'm gonna go with, then my, my name is, I'm going to say Reyes. Yes, so it is Reyes. It's correct. The first I don't name, remember. you guys do not remember, a uh, guy who died in Costa Rica on vacation a few years ago, former Bills punter, Rick Booten Tootin. So this is Tootin oh, Reyes. Tootin. He was the punter in 25. Chris Moore was after him. Yes. Wow. Wow. Tootin Reyes. My bad. All right. Well, couple more to, a couple more to go here. Here's an easy one. You'll get back on track. Uh, this one I only put in because so, it's... So what was the guy... His name again? It was Tootin Reyes. Tootin Reyes, yes. And yeah, I was okay. when I did this, when I did that hint, I'm like, the first guess is going to be more Rollins. And, <laughs> but Frank immediately picked the correct National League shortstop, who was not with the Nationals or the Braves, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, so we got the Reyes out of the way. But we we struggled with the Tootin. <laughs> we we struggled with the Tootin. Yeah. There, there's a name for a podcast. Yeah, All right. Um, 2005, Sioux City Bandits running back blank invited to NFL tryout with the Bills. Sioux Fred Jackson. Oh, Fred Jackson. Fred Jackson, yes. All right, 2001, uh, blank dislocates thumb, Seau still day to day. 
The Chargers linebacker core took a hit yesterday when backup Blank was forced from practice with an injured oh, right. Oh, lights out, Sean Merriman. No, no, but that's a good guess. Oh, this was this was right actually off? this was no, this was in advance of the big Flutie versus Johnson game in 2001, and this was one of the billion players and three yeah, linebackers who followed former Bills or or Rogers or Rogers. There you go. Yeah. I should have Sam Rogers is the answer. Rogers. And finally. This is a guy you'll remember, you won't, but we're telling the story anyway. Uh, I didn't put a year, so I'm going to have to guess, uh, or actually look it up. 1996, 1996, uh, blank makes strong impression to be gauged by Coates. Uh, Buffalo Bills rookie blank has played a grand total of three games at the safety position in his football career. In number four on Sunday, he goes against one of the best tight ends in the NFL, New England's Ben Coates. It's going to it's going to be good to see where I stand, said Blank. I'll just try my best. He was forced into the starting lineup three weeks ago against Indianapolis when star strong safety Henry Jones suffered a broken leg. So this was a third Before round. Big Ben Watson was Big Ben Coates. So just yes, we all I always forget about how great Ben Coates was and what a pain in the ass he was uh, for so many years. Um yeah, this guy was a third-round choice by the Bills out of Appalachian State, where he was a two-time first-team Division I AA All-America. He spent his college career at cornerback. He played only one season with the Bills, but two seasons each for four other teams uh, and started 42 games in his career. Um, this gets, story gets sad and then happy, so I will give that caveat. He retired from football in 03, but a motorcycle in 2007 left blank paralyzed from the chest down caused by severe mm. spinal cord injuries, suffered two broken shoulders, two punctured lungs, a bruised heart, and internal injuries. For three years, he was limited to a wheelchair. He got on a trial something called Rewalk, which is a wearable device that enables wheelchair users to stand, walk, and climb stairs. And by 2011, he had regained the deal to move through the special uh, use of special leg brace support. I remember him most for a distinctive blonde ponytail that used to stick out of the back of his helmet. Not a lot of players with a blonde ponytail in those days. They'd have either the flowing locks, um, but this guy's had his big blonde ponytail coming out of the back of the jersey. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to get this, so I'm going to guess uh, Dave Chappelle, who, of course, is making a lot of headlines recently. Ah, uh, yes. Well, that's um, have a podcast on that. I will, I will guess uh, Georges Pompidou, uh, president of France, uh, following Charles de Gaulle. Uh, in the late 60s and early 70s. Uh, yes, uh, the namesake for the George Pompidou Center, uh, which can also be found in in Paris. Um, Scott, as, as, as usual, I can't believe he screwed this up. Uh, he was a free safety. We're talking about strong safety. So oh, get with it on this. So yes. I was, of course, talking about uh, Matt Stevens, or as they call him in France, uh, Matt Stevens. I guess I didn't have a good French name for him. <laughs> But that was just saying Bill's headlines for October 25th, and we're glad you're walking again, Matt Stevens. Thank you once again, Paul, for your excellent, excellent segment that uh, really is the cornerstone of our podcast in many ways and in other ways, not at all. Um, (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Uh, The Bills are 13 and a half point favorites over the Dolphins at home in Buffalo. you know, they lose, they, they lose to Tennessee. They don't have their tight end and they're still 13 and a half point favorites over. I mean, I mean, who had the dolphins are the worst team on your, on their bingo card because they really might be, they really might be. 
it's hard to say if they're, you know, the Texans and the Jets. I mean, the Jets, Sony, they lost their rookie quarterback for a while. But let's focus on the Dolphins, who, by all accounts, are going to have everybody finally. They're going to have Will Fuller and Jalen Waddell and Tua Tagovailoa. And I don't know. I mean, I remember that game starting last time, and the Bills just decided to, like, send a thousand people after him every play for the first six plays, and then he was broken. And then that was the end of the game. You know, they don't score. Uh, I think the I think the Dolphins will probably score this game. I think it'd be really hard to do. I mean, that would be something to make a T-shirt out of if you if you shut out a team twice in one year. That that that's like make a T-shirt for that because that's that's right. pretty cool. I mean, if the Bills can um, just win sixty-five to nothing, we can make shirts that say one hundred to zero Bills Dolphins twenty twenty-one. I I think you know it's good to have a goal. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm picking the Bills. I think they can cover two scores, I, two touchdowns. I, I will be um, surprised if they don't. Um, I won't be surprised if the Dolphins score points. I think the Bills' defense is very good, but I think, again, it's just like we're talking eight quarters of football to stop a team from scoring points. Um, and I think that, that probably on some level, um, you know, Last week was the first time the Titans had all of their pieces, and the Bills were really the first team to face them that way. The Dolphins are not the Titans, but I think in a way they will be the first time you see all the pieces on the field, and it could cause a little confusion as opposed to, you know, a, a loss or, or, or you know, a season-threatening sort of uh, performance from the Dolphins. Um, but largely I'm just sort of excited, you know, as, as this team gets ground into, you know, dust and, and, the, and the tears fill up my my bitter cup that i drink uh and as i laugh at miami um i mean any team that like is entertaining trading for deshaun watson in my mind should just should just be kicked off you know kicked into the sun i think uh i think that's my thoughts on that um but i'll go first i mean i think the bills will probably you know win the game 40 to 15 something along those lines i think that you know i don't i can see the dolphins putting up points i feel like the bills should go ahead and score a shit ton and uh, we'll see. Now it's forty to fifteen. You said Frank. I'm just yeah, sure. Forty. Right, why not? 40, 40. I want to do. I think they got to do better than thirty-one. I think they're gonna. That's gonna be their goal. So why not get to forty? And uh, that'll be good. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go full on uh, twenty twenty only better. I'm gonna say the Bills put up fifty-six again and make it fifty-six to sixteen because. I the bill there've been now two scoregamis in the league this year. They didn't have any for the first I think 6 weeks uh, or first 5 weeks of the season. Now they've had two. Thank you Cardinals for your 31 to 5 victory yesterday. So we need a nice 56 to 16 scoregami here. So that's that's my my take. Okay. Um I don't I don't think I think the Bills are going to are the better team. And I think we're going to win comfortably, but I don't think the score is going to get out of hand just because I feel like the Bills are going to get up and then it's going to kind of they're going to take the foot off the gas and the Dolphins can kind of sneak back in and the Bills kind of go through the motions a little bit. So I'll put it at um, I'll put this one at 34, 13 uh, again, a, a comfortable win. But 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 one in which, you know, the Dol- the, yeah, the Bills are up 28 three at the half and then you know they kind of screw around for the next 30 minutes and try yeah. not to so it, it says the most score. that scott respects the, yeah scott respects this to be uh, the dolphins more and that this is gonna be the closest game and picks a 21 point bills victory that gives you an idea of what we think about the bills <laughs> right. opponent this week gosh 
gosh. Well, I, they only I mean, scored I 34 even, points. <laughs> I don't even know what we're going to do because I feel like when we get to the Jets games, we're going to have <laughs> to change how we pick because it's just like, it's just going to be boring for all of us to say, yeah, they're the better team and they're going to win by three scores. And, and, and then Scott to try and couch it that way again and be like, well, I think make it tired and maybe, <laughs> maybe he'll have a little <laughs> too much shrimp the night before and he'll only win by 30. We're not breaking the matchups down anymore, are we? It used to be like, no, oh, I, I, I think it'll have to be, we'll have to come up with some sort of, you know, will they get over 50 might be one question. And then the second question will be like, you know, name the most ridiculous, you know, guess what the most ridiculous Jets play will be. Like, and you'll have to illustrate a scenario as to like what stupid, terrible thing a Jets player will have happened to him uh, on the field. Because anyway, we'll, we'll, when we get there, we'll have to see. But I'm, I feel like I might have to, to keep it entertaining at this point. We might have to up the stakes a little. Um, but that is enough entertainment for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we really do appreciate it. You can find us MNY Bills on Twitter and you can just Google Buffalo Bills maybe next year or go to your podcast places and uh, you'll find us there. We are happy to serve you in that capacity. Share us with a friend if you want. That'd be nice. Leave us good reviews. Um, the longest running bills. We're the longest running bills podcast for a reason. And that's because we're too stupid to quit. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. I'm Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everybody.